Hello and welcome everyone to Eyes on the Mize. This is episode 9. A funny thing happened on the way to the top 8. My name is John. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me on the line is Ian. Hey John, what up? Alright, so the title kind of gives a little bit of a way, but we want to address quickly address the Loxodon in the room. Um, this uh, this pa- is good. Yeah, Go this is going to be like our... We, we're going to start doing the Eyes on the Community thing like off the bat, our first little segment, but this is... Our Isaac community is going to address the elephant room. We don't want to talk about it too long. Other people have already talked about it ad nauseum and at length and done a podcast and blog posts and tweets and yada, 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 whatever. We don't want, we don't want to add any much on, to, on top of that. It just needs to be addressed because it was a major change and it actually showed how amazingly tight-knit the Magic community can be when they need to be. So the TLDR is that on the Sunday of the Pro Tour, they like to do a bunch of announcements about the next season of the Pro Pro Tour, uh, alongside stuff about the Worlds, the World Championships, and so on. And one of the announcements that that Alain Bourgeau, who's the uh, the global Organize. organizer of or the, the global director of organized play, she made two big announcements. Uh, one of them we'll talk a little, a little bit more in depth a little bit later, uh, but the one that got the most um, the most buzz, for better or for worse, was that they were going to increase the prize payout at the World Championships, which is great. Right now, the total prize pool I think is like somewhere in the order in the range of like one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Next year, it was going to, or this year, it was going to be a total prize pool of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then yeah, the, the champ as, gets one hundred k, and the champ would get one hundred k. That that would be at the next year. Oh, next group. one, right, right? Yeah, and then it would have a total prize pool of five hundred k with the added bonus of that uh, with the with that added bonus now so they were looking to make the world championship their marquee tournament and give the big payouts for the people who did the best possible job yeah and the the thing was where was that money going to come from well what they were going to do is they were going to reduce the appearance fees that platinum pros get if you don't know what what the Platinum Pro is, there's different levels in the Pro Players Cub based on the number of pro points you earn in the previous season, and the highest ranking of that is Platinum. Now, normally, you're in your, and, you're in your pro points from uh, placing at Grand Prix and certain things, going actually earning a Pro Tour qualifier bid, getting into the Pro Tour, getting points, making a certain. Uh, and I think just showing, I think just showing up to the Pro Tour gets you three pro points. Yeah. Um, but they were going to reduce the appearance fees of the Platinum Pros at showing up to the Pro Tour from $3,000, which is not an insignificant amount of money, down to, well, $250. It's a big difference. It's a huge decrease. That is an over 100% decrease. Yeah. It, it, but what, it, what it ended up doing is the community – well, pro players were incensed mainly because this was going into effect the next season – we're three quarters of the way through the season right now, and that means that if you already earned platinum or locked up platinum for the twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen twenty seventeen season, which is coming up, you were losing that bonus money. Like the, what what you already thought you were going to get is gone, straight up gone. And the community was like, "That's kind of BS." All these pros started saying, "Like, well, looks like I'm out. I'm not going to grind for it. Might as well not bother." It's stupid. It's pointless. And people were even dropping hints of like GG next game. Let's go. It was kind of worrisome. And the community even had a globally trending hashtag of hashtag pay the pros. And it took wizards till Tuesday 
to announce the changes that they were reverting back the uh, pay for this next season. And kind of like as a mea culpa, like we're still going to leave it there. They're still leaving that uh, higher pay bonus for the winner of the world championship. Thing is, is that they said that they're going to reevaluate it and they're going to talk to the pros, which I think is really good if they actually talk to the pros and get their feedback on it. Well, I think that the biggest thing is that what they were trying to do with the organized play is they were trying to get more visibility. And the avenue that they were going about it was going, hey, look, we have this $500,000 cash pool tournament of the best Magic players in the world, and the winner gets $100,000. They were trying to get... They're trying to get exposure. They're trying to get eyeballs on it. They're trying to get a little bit of the spectacle that you see in a bunch of esports where, oh, hey, the winner of this tournament gets a million dollars for their team. And they were trying to bring eyeballs into that, but they forgot a lot about what the community was. And they forgot that the Platinum Pros do do a lot. And a lot of people, maybe not take their livelihoods, but... You know, if you make platinum and you get to go to the four pro tours, that's twelve thousand dollars, and you're reducing it so that they only got a thousand. Yeah, it's it's a huge hit for some people. Some people are saying like, I can't believe some people like eleven thousand dollars is like enough to really significantly impact like life. But I mean, I'm sorry, I it would significantly impact mine just with my paycheck. But that aside, the community came through. Uh, they were very vocal. The the, the the most awkward part, personally, I think, was that this happened the day before the actually excellent, and I highly recommend you go watch this, uh, Enter the Battlefield uh, yes. documentary came out. It's on YouTube, on Wizards, uh, it's Magic the Gathering's YouTube page, or it's on Netflix. So I highly recommend go watching it. I watched it. It was great. Yeah, I watched it as well. It's a little short. It's only an hour and five minutes, and that's including, like, the credits. But it was re- it's a really solid a really, really solid documentary. It's one that I would recommend anybody really watch if that is something that they are interested in. And Nate and Sean, the two people behind Walk the Plains, did an amazing job with it. And everybody should go watch it. Yep. So we so basically, we, we don't need to go more much more into depth about it. Like, it was kind of wrong. I was on the fact, I was on the side of, yeah, pay them because we, we get content from them. It's enjoyable. It's part of the game. Uh, if, they, I do agree with them possibly reducing, but they should have phased the reducing of the fees if they were looking to go about this kind of like give you a heads up like, hey, two seasons from now we're going to start reducing the fees a little bit, you guys. Um, they also changed how the Hall of, Hall of Famers get uh, their appearance fees. They're just getting a one shot, one time shot now. Perfectly fine with that. As the as the uh, Hall of Fame gets bigger, it's going to get more financially unwieldy them to keep giving the same appearance fees that they were giving when there was 15 20 people in the hall of fame when there's like 60 so also most of the hall of famers that have made their um that have said anything about it have have also said oh yeah you're absolutely right this is going to be like we don't mind that much it it doesn't affect us any in a negative way yeah just as long and as long as they keep their pro tour invites for life perfectly fine with that yeah i think we can all agree they, all, they seem to be fine with that too. I mean, that's actually a big topic of the documentary. Yeah. Uh, for for one Chris Pakula, which yes. again, that's a story that you just need to look up on your own because it is really, really good. Um, yeah. One last thing on the eyes in the community, which is a little less community driven, but more from Wizards, is that well, Wizards also makes this other game. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. For those of you who've never played it, it's a tabletop role playing game. 
and it's a lot of fun. I pl- I'm involved in several D&D campaigns right now, and James Wyatt of the Magic Creative team used to work on Dungeons & Dragons. And today they published what, is, what they're calling Plane Shift Zendikar, which is a small 38-page PDF of just basically taking the Zendikar um, setting and putting some D&D structure onto it. So, for example, if you play D&D and you want to, pl- and you want to include the core as a race in your game, or if you want to include goblins, or you want to play with merfolk, you can Zendikari do that. Va- Zendikari vampires. Zendikari vampires as well, yeah. And they also included uh, st- stat blocks for some of the other D&D monsters. So, as an example, there's a stat block for a Felidar in there, which is really sweet. And then they also have a really sweet two-page... Um, explanation of how you might want to include Eldrazi in your campaigns, which I think the Eldrazi you could almost put into any campaign if you if that's something that you are, that you want to do, because um, they Eldrazi, have planes and worlds. Yeah, they have planes. They have worlds. Why wouldn't they show up randomly while you're currently in um, in Dragonfell? Um, so that's something that's really exciting. And I know that I have a friend of mine who plays Magic very casually. He like buys a fat pack of the new set, and then he's like, "Cool, this is awesome." And his favorite plane was Indicar. And I sent him this um, during my uh, during my free period, and he's like, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna help me write a uh, a small like campaign for this?" <laughs> um, and so he and I are gonna be meeting up this weekend, and we're gonna be writing out the the beginnings of a Zendikar D and D setting. Um, and if this is something that interests you, if you go to Wizards' webpage, I'll include a link to it in the show notes or in the in the description on the podcast. You will see a little survey thing and it'll ask you like, Hey, (coughs) excuse me. If this is something that you, that you like, where, where would you like to go next? What planes would you like to see this for them? And they have like Dominaria, Chandelar, Innistrad, Ravnica, Mirrodin, New Phyrexia. And I think that any of those would be amazing. Uh, The small caveat to this is that most magic players who want to do this might want to be planeswalkers instead. Um, However, this is more geared towards plane-bound entities. So you're not being a planeswalker; you're being like, um, yeah, just leave the planeswalker stuff to actual card game. Yeah, just be a planeswalker in the card game. You'll you'll be fine. You'll survive. Um, but I know I'm really excited for it, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. Yeah. So what? So now that we kind of shift away from the community, there was that one other uh, announcement that was made, and that is there's no longer a modern pro tour. Yes. I am okay with this change. I, I am too. It's there are still people who are upset at it, and I know why they're upset, but it doesn't make sense. Um, basically, a lot of the a lot of the outrage to the modern pro tour was that hey, we like modern, we want to see the pros play modern. Um, but people who play modern a lot were upset with the basically annual ban list changes to shake up the metagame. Right, and and the, I think the big thing is all right. So this happened again again the previous year with. 2015 and uh, I think this was tour the, Vancouver. Yeah, this was PT Vancouver. Yeah, so we have a PT Vancouver was supposed to be a standard one. Everyone's like, "What the heck?" It was modern. You change the standard, might change it back, and they relented. Honestly, I think our Aldrazi Winter basically showed everybody like, "Oh yeah, this is what happens when you have tons and tons of teams of pros looking to break a format. They will break a format. You just printed a, a set." that interacts with these two cards that will literally break your format. Oh my God. Like, I think personally that if we didn't have that modern pro tour, uh, for Oath of the Gatewatch, we would have seen Aldrazi decks just dominate the format. 
but I think it would have taken a Grand Prix and maybe two or three SCG Open or Classic events before everyone would come on to the fact that, holy crap, Eldrazi are straight broken. I don't really want to get into the whole Eldrazi menace, more per, um, per se. However, players were getting increasingly, increasingly upset at this this thing that would that would pop up where it's oh don't worry about it we're just change we have to change up the pro tour in order to make it exciting and people were upset about it when they saw birthing pod get banned which it did need to get banned yeah they it did. were upset about the um they're upset when oh god what band got banned last time twin well twin got banned last time yeah and then it's just there's just a whole whole thing with this thing of trying to make the pro tour exciting and there's a great article by Aaron Forsyth who is the, um, I think his title is the Vice President of R&D, where he goes in-depth into this, and he t- says, hey, look, this is what's going on. This is why we're changing it from this format to another format. Um, and really, it is going to depend heavily on... Um, basically, Modern is not going to be a Pro Tour format, but they're still going to support it at high-level play. There's still going to be Modern Grand Prix. Modern is very likely still going to be a format at, wor- at Worlds every year. It's not something that's going to be going away anytime soon. It's still something that, something that they're going to support. It's it's going to become what they want it to be, which should be a stable format where you can reach back into your older cards, pick what you want to play, play it without fear of it getting banned due to shaking up the format. Yeah. The big thing to note about it is that they in the announcement they did say that hey, we want we we do want to make sure that non-interactive decks do not dominate the format. So I know. I'm worried about infect. <laughs> Infect is, Infect is interactive. Um, you can you can interact with Infect. I think they're more afraid of you know what you know what's a great deck. Let's let's put Seething Song back into the format and make Storm be- the best deck in the room. No one no. likes that. No 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 one, no. no one likes no. a Storm dominated metagame. John John, I know that's hey, your pet hey, deck, hey, but no. As, as a Storm player, I know I know I know this. Uh, I actually got into a some minor argument with somebody who's like, hey, would a two and a blue Brainstorm be too good in modern? Yes. I'm like, yes. Give it to me now, please. In my veins. Now, <laughs> give please now. It, it it would storm it storm would be very good if it got a brainstorm effect, even if it's three mana. Oh man, oh, can you imagine copying it with a pyromancer ascension and cracking a fetch in between? Sir, oh man, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask you to calm down now. All right, I'm calm. I'm calm, and now we're gonna bring the hype train to its fullest because this weekend was a pro tour. Portrait yeah. Shadows of Innistrad, new limited format, new standard, and we're going to get to the top eight a little bit later. But, but, speak, oh, but, speaking, man. but just speaking of standard and the fact we have Pro Tours, best part about this is we now get four standard Pro Tours, which means they don't have to sacrifice a set Pro Tour specifically for a different format. Yeah, but that's a, that's, that, that, that's a different argument entirely. But no, but it's great, though, because we get to see these awesome standard – like we get to see these amazing pros just go at this new format that's freshened up. With this new, highly rotating, uh, with the new, new, I think it's, what are they calling it? The new, the new, new. The new rotation schedule. Oh, yeah. The, the new, new world order. Yeah. With, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. with this, like, uh, the constantly, cha- the, ch- the now less time between rotation is going to be great. Yes. Um, I'm loving the format. Oh, this format is great. Let's talk limited, though. Yeah, we're going to start with limited. Um. I want to say that this format has been really sweet. I have drafted some really insane decks. Um, I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to draft as much as I want to. But. So here's here's a few things that I've done in this format. 
Uh, I have won the game with an empty library and a get rock toad in play. I have won the game with an empty library by using Epitaph Golem to loop Rise from the Tides, uh, revealing it to Sen Prodder, who is in play. So good. I have I have cast from under the floorboards and copied it with Geist Blast twice. <laughs> you sick monster. Uh, I have played a four-color deck, and I actually won games. And I've twice played a, um, a Bant-colored deck with just insane clue synergies. On Monday, on Monday... Uh, my my pack one pick one was Uvenwald Mysteries over Bygone Bishop, which I don't think is a normal pick you would make. I think Bygone Bishop is is pretty solid. Why, would you, John? You're killing me inside. I'm I'm literally dying inside right now. Don't well, worry, okay. don't worry. I'm figuratively dying inside because I love Bygone Bishop. That's an amazing. Don't card. worry, it gets salvaged because I second pick a Tireless Tracker. <laughs> Jesus. And then I third pick an Erdwall Illuminator. What the heck, man? You're the sick. deck at the end of the day had. Two Uvenwald Mysteries. Okay. Two Fleeting Memories. Okay. It had an Erdwall Illuminator, had a Confront the Unknown, and a Tireless Tracker. Because you got, because you know you got to take your lamp out for walkies. I also had three Thraven Inspectors. Nice. <laughs> I Dude, had Thraven Inspector. Uh, it has impressed me. I did standard, not expect standard, to know it. Standard playable? Like, yeah. holy crap. Well, if you need one drops, a one, two for one that draws you a card is not the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong there. No, it was, it is something that like this format is super sweet. I am loving it. And I think that this, this, this format is exemplified by both of, uh, Louis Scott Vargas's drafts over the weekend. Yeah. Well, sealed, sealed's a little wonky. Sealed is wonky, but sealed is sealed. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, like draft, love it. Draft is great. LSV had a. I watched this draft. I, I missed. I missed it when it was live because it was at like midnight, yeah, Eastern. Because it was because the pro tour was in Madrid, Spain, so completely crazy time schedule. So I watched it on YouTube this afternoon, and triple fevered visions. Which so fevered is, visions is one blue red for an enchantment that says at the beginning of each end step, each player or that player draws a card, and if it's your opponent, they take two damage. If they have four, more if they cards. have if they have four more cards in their hand. So um, with him having three, he basically one increased the chances of him actually seeing a fevered visions at all in any of his games exponentially every time he gra- each time he had like because he has three, and they stack. Yeah. Um, so go. But the big thing. Card. The big thing with draw this draft. Card. Oh, you have now four. Draw another card. Yeah. You have four. Take two. So you can your opponent can end up just start taking. I mean, granted, they're going to get a lot of card advantage, but they won't be able. They shouldn't be able to empty their hand quick enough for it to matter. Yeah, the big thing though with his fevered visions draft is that after pack one, he was really solid. He had two fevered visions. He had a really solid blue red deck going, and then in pack two, he got nothing. Oh, that pack two is an abomination. Yesterday on stream, LSV actually stepped through his draft and then looked at other people at his table on the draft viewer to see what was going on because he didn't know what the person on his right was doing. Or the person on his left was doing, who's passing to impact two, to make sure that his to make his pick so bad, because he was like somebody had to have been cutting me off, and the person sitting to his left, uh, I think it was a uh, Nathan, a uh, Nathan L, uh, I believe is, was his name. Um, he first picked pack one, pick one, picked a daring sleuth, which LSV said was the eighth best card in that pack. Yeah, like the, he picked the it. Picks- he picked it over Grafmol. That's disgusting, and I people, why? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. 
Um, basically, but he looked at, at his draft and he looked at Alan Wu's deck, who was sitting to that player's left as well, and there was just no good red cards opened. The red and the blue cards are just terrible. So he, yeah. he, he, he just had a really – the packs did not break very well for him kindly in that second pack. But he salvaged it a little bit. I think he went 2-1 and one with the deck, which is which is what he needed to, because LSV, we'll get to it a little bit later, offers his 5-1 limited record, he managed to get to the top eight. Because and its standard deck was sick. Also, also, so we're going to see LSV at the uh, World Championships regardless. Yeah. He's either going to be, he's going to be, he, if he's not there, he's going to be doing commentary. But he does have, he's, I think, I asked him on stream, he said he's two pro points away from qualifying for Worlds as a, as a competitor. Oh, also, should I say 11 ranked in the world LSV? Yeah, 11th ranked in the world LSV. He jumped all the way from not ranked to 11. Because, that's what you get with back-to-back top eights. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Uh, also, new number one, Seth Manfield. Number two, Owen Turtonwald, I think. Yeah, yeah, big ups on Seth. Like everyone thought, Owen was just going to run away with the field. No, he had a, he had a very mediocre pro. When you win, when you win worlds and then place third, <laughs> you get some pro, you get some points there. You get, you get a few pro points. Fun, the funny part is though, is the distance between Owen at two and the third place person is the distance between the third place person and John Finkel down at 23. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I was reading an article today like it was it was actually in the uh Magic D- Daily Update. Like the distance between 2 and 3 is the distance between 3 and 23rd. That's crazy. It's it's insane. It's it's a little two-man race now between Owen Turtonwald and Seth Manfield and I'm loving it. Yeah, it it'll be fun to see how this shakes out towards Spe- the end of this format. Speaking of Owen, he was the guy who I was like if Owen has a good, if Owen has a good deck, he's going to be going far. He had a less than optimal Pro Tour showing for his high standards, and you know what? Sometimes it happens. So variance is a part of our game. So you need, yep. you need to be able to make sure you deal with that. Speaking of standard, Ian, what was the most represent, most represented deck in day one? Hmm. I wonder. Could it potentially be uh, Bant Company? It was in fact Bant Company at a staggering twenty three percent of the day one meta game. Holy cow! I'm not gonna lie. This is probably my this is my leader in the clubhouse right now for a deck that I will be playing. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to John and my picks for what we're looking at playing standard wise right now. But it's a good deck. There are a actual few different configurations of band company that you can be on. I'll discuss like a couple of that in a little bit. But it's just it's a stupidly insane deck. It's after powerful. the after the first two weekends where Mono White Humans and Bent Company just put a huge target on their heads, they were the decks to bring down. And a lot of the pros said, look, we tried to find a deck better than Bant Company. We couldn't find it. So we're going to play Bant Company. And again, 23% of the people played Bant Company. And then the next deck was Mono White Humans. I think it was like at 15 to 18% of the metagame. Yeah. So a full third of the metagame was those two decks. So everybody kind of was like, hey, we know these these are the known commodities. We know these decks are good. We're going to try and narrow our focus and come up with another deck. But, and, but, the, but the best part about that, though, is you said two decks are a third of the field. That leaves two-thirds of the field for people to just go ham yeah. and give us some amazing brews. And there certainly were. Um, in this top eight, there are eight very good players. Uh, there is there is one new can player we, to the to the thing. Can we, just, can we just say probably one of the top to down greatest top eights of all time? There are some people who have been who have been talking about that. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but there's eight different players, all of them who are great, and then there are eight different decks. Eight different decks. No no sixty are the same. No seventy five are the same. 
which is amazing. The fact I mean, that we have eight decks in the top eight is absurd. You have a couple, you know, I guess you can call them archetype-ish, archetypal similar similarities. Like, for instance, you have the green-black Cryptolith right Sacrifice or Arista Rights deck that LSV was playing from yeah, Team Channel of, Fireball. Yeah, Team CFB along with Team Ultra Pro. Yeah, so that one played Collected Company, just like Band Company does. Yeah. So you can call those the two company decks. Fine. That gave us our eight copies of Collected Company and Top Eight, which is roughly what I was thinking would happen. It was the eight or twelve. Yeah. We also had two Esper decks of the control variety. One but was Esper Planeswalkers. One was Esper Walkers. One was Esper Dragons. Uh, Esper Esper Planeswalkers piloted by Seth Manfield. Esper Dragons. Yeah, that was the East West Bowl. And Esper Dragons piloted by Shota Yasuoka. And then we had two Goggle decks, but we had a Red White Goggles control deck that you can play. I believe it's one of the. uh, If it's not one of the, if it's not one of the Gauntlet decks, something's wrong. I think it is one of the Gauntlet decks. That's also one playing, but it's 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 hilarious. And you have Red Green Goggles ramp at the hands of Standard Master Brad Nelson. Again, Brad Nelson is just a player who can at will top eight a standard GP. It's just one, he's just one of those guys that says, "Oh, is it uh, is it that time again? Okay, I'll I'll top eight a standard GP." And he went five and one unlimited, which is basically what he needed to stay afloat and because, make top eight. Because uh, this is also my, my pat on the back thing from last week. <laughs> Call back to me saying Team Erico is probably going to be one of the best teams there. They helped Brad Nelson. Like it's most like they're all European players and Brad Nelson. Yeah. An American. They, Brad Nelson they, in interviews was saying like he had never felt more confident about draft in his entire life. When you give that confidence in limited to a man who can just like sleepwalk his way through a standard metagame and still destroy everybody, that's a dangerous player. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah, it is, it is, it is really, really sweet. Uh, and then that brings us to the last two decks – uh, one was my favorite name for this is Dark Seasons Control, which yes. is the green black control deck as piloted by CFB Pantheon, um, who got the to the hands. top eight by the hands of uh, Johnny Frickin' Magic of John Finkel. <laughs> Funnily enough, he had to be talked into playing the deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, and he top eighted with it. No, I think um, everyone else didn't do as hot on CFB Pantheon. Um, like he Owen didn't that, do very well. He, Reed didn't had, do very well. He just had that Finkel look. Yeah, just that John, that Johnny Magic man, and then the Green White Tokens deck as piloted by Steve Rubin, um, which so, was um, our Pro Tour. Who was our Pro Tour victor, by yeah, the way? Congratulations, to congrats to Steve Rubin on what should have been an amazing, you know, well talked about win and an amazing top eight with, as you see, eight insanely different decks. And I think yeah. Green White Tokens is a cool looking deck, though. It is really sweet. Um, so that was our top eight. Um, among these top eight players to date, there are. Th- not counting this top eight, there are 35 Pro Tour top eights among the competitors. And 16 belong to John Finkel. <laughs> that just shows you how absurd John Finkel is. Oh, my God. Dude, people people are tweeting. It's like, okay, so when is – so John Finkel's now working on his third Hall of Fame career? <laughs> yeah. Because ser- seriously, he, he's at the point where like anybody with four or five top Pro Tour top eights is basically almost – like if, if you have five, you're considered a lock for – a uh, for Hall of Fame, he has sixteen. Yeah, that's three times the usual amount that somebody's even considered qualified for. It. I mean, heck, the uh, part, part, the part of the thing, whole part of the whole enters the battlefield thing is the fact that Chris Pakula doesn't have that fourth Pro Tour top eight, which probably lost him the ballot. Yeah, Finkel has four times that. Yeah, 
It's absurd. It's, when you start playing Magic from the beginning, it's absurd. Uh, also, technically, he does have a Junior's top eight, so it's a total of 17. Oh, we've been remiss at mentioning this was Pro Tour 100. Yeah, and John Finkel has top eighted 16 of them. And he didn't even play in all 100. Yeah. He played in like 80. So he, he's batting well over 20%. Yeah. Finkel is – oh, Finkel's amazing. Um, he's, he's, a pl- he's a player unto himself when the spotlights are on. Yeah. Uh, the funniest thing about John Finkel was that when he was asked, well, what would winning the Pro Tour mean to you? He was like, oh, just means I have three more to catch Kai Buda. Yeah. Like, all right. And then that just says how amazing Kai Buda's career was. Yeah. Kai, Kai is – oh, my God. Um, Kai like, Buda John- is probably the most dominant Magic player. He, so John Finkel had- is the best Magic player of all time, bar none, period, end of discussion. Kai yeah. Buda is the most dominant Magic player because he won like okay. f- three Pro Tours in a row. He he won an insane amount in a very short time span. Yeah, which is fine. So our finals were Bancoco at the hands of Andre Mangucci. Andre Mangucci. Funnily, and all right. So I gotta, I gotta give a little side here. When I watched the end of day two, Andre Mangucci sneaked his way into the top eight because he went to time and rounds and then went to turn playing eight and and in a turn. Against one of his teammates, playing, playing. The, mirror, the mirror 75, so the little identical 75, they – I honestly thought that this would have been the story of like what people are going to be writing about after the Pro Tour because he almost had – he basically was begging his teammate to give him a concession because he would have had the tiebreakers. His, so his teammate wouldn't have had the tiebreakers to get him in the top eight. Manguchi would have had the tiebreakers to get him in the top eight, and he figured that. So he like begged and pleaded and it was like doing the impassioned, like, you know, hands going like full Italian. Come on. And they say Italians don't speak with their hands. Oh, my God. Like, let's put it this way. So basically, I think what they ended up doing is like they even like were looking at the deck and like, look, you don't have any of these creatures left. If this were to continue, I would win. Yeah. Kind of like arguing. And he and eventually his opponent or his teammate was just like, yeah, fine. Sure. And shook hands and looked demolished. And it was I thought that would be like something that people would talk about, and it just went. Com- nobody's even talking about it because uh, of everything. Twitch happened. chat eviscerated them. Oh, I know that. I know Twitch. I, yeah, I know the chat of. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like people writing about like how concessions and all that stuff. That seems like something that people have had as a. I mean, that's been a, that's been a talking point for a while. Um, right, but I this think... is like this is like the big case about this, and it, nobody's talking about it because of the whole. Um, Organized plague thing that shenanigans that happened. Yeah, um, I think that everybody pretty much goes, yeah, people concede all the time. I think most of what I saw on that um, in that train of thought was, hey, this happens a lot. Like people concede all the time, but one of the things was this should not have been on camera. Oh yeah, this this being on camera, like the impassioned pleading, the looking at the like the decks and the graveyard, like look, you're like this was like turn five. Like all they had to do was say, "Yep, pass a turn, turnover, we go tie." We none of neither one of us makes the top eight, and yeah. it's it's similar to the judge call from a pro tour two ago with uh, Patrick Chapin. Yeah, with Patrick Chapin, where like there's no way in heck that that should have been on camera. They should have cut away by that point. It's it was kind of sad that it happened that way, but at the same time, Manguchi did get into the top eight. He rode Bant Company to the finals, and then he lost. He lost to Green White Tokens, which won in four games. Yeah, um, 
I will say that some people, some of the pros who I've been reading to or listening about, listening to and reading have said, hey, maybe Green White Tokens is the best deck in the field. Uh, I have also seen that and read it. And looking at this deck list, it is incredibly resilient. It plays a lot of spells, which is something the collected company lists do not play. Like in the main deck for your Bant Company deck, which finished second, there's eight spells. Yeah, it's four eight. collected companies, uh, three. Oh, my bad, oh. nine. Nine, nine in Mangucci's list. He's Three Ultrasize Command playing. and two Dramokas Command? No, he's playing the, the Quad Dramoka Command, Quad Coco, and Singleton Ojitai Command. Okay, that's fine. Um, it's it's then like it's one of those things where people are either running that the nine spells or eight spells, but compared to that, like Steve Rubin's deck plays 19 between yeah. enchantments, instant sorceries, and planeswalkers. Plane yeah. um, speaking of... Uh, I need to pull up our conversation from before because we we did it. We remember last week we talked about hey, what are the like how how many of each card is going to show up in the in the top eight? Uh, we had eight collected companies, which I think was roughly where you were at again. Um, yep. We had six Avicens. Yeah. Which is I think that was less than what we in expected. The, in in the final, we had six alone. Yeah. Uh, of the cards we mentioned, there were eleven Jace French prodigies among the top eight. Yeah, I I honestly thought like plus man- there were Manguchi's- four in in Manguchi's deck. Yeah, I was honestly suspect I was I've actually been looking at all of the band company lists, and a and surprising high number of them are actually still playing four. While the SCG circuit crew, people who've been playing on the SCG circuit, were like, yeah, th- four is not the right number. Three or two is probably the right number. But the pros of the pro tour, I guess, were all settling on three and four. Yeah, uh, there were three Sorens. Yep. I think they were all in Zeth's deck. Yeah. Um, there are no Arlens because there were no red green decks. Oh, Arlen. And then speaking of cards that we didn't mention, <clears throat> there were seven Dark Petitions. <laughs> seven Dark Petitions. There were nine Kalidases. Yeah, Kalidas. Four Gideons, all in one deck. Six Chandras split up amongst the two red red goggles decks. Yeah. And among those goggles decks, there were six goggles. Yeah, the goggles decks are running three. They don't run one run four because it is a legendary. It's a five artifact. mana legendary artifact. You it does not work want, well in multiples. You don't want to draw that like third goggles. It's just not fun. And then, but what's also the, cool is double Nahiri in the red white goggles deck. Yeah, that's true. And then also eight Westvale Abbeys. Yeah, a little lower than I thought it would be, but well, let's go ahead and kind of do a rundown of these of these top eight decks real quick. Dark Seasons Control. The entire point of the deck is to cast Seasons Past, um, which is six mana mythic, which grabs cards from your graveyard of each different CMC that you can grab. So you can grab a zero, a one, a two, a three, a four, a five, a six, whatever. That that zero could be a land as well. It could be a land. It could be something like a Dryad Arbor. It could be in modern, say, a Pact. Uh, But what really makes it go is the fact that there's Dark Petition, which is a five mana tutor, where you get to search your deck for whatever card you want. And then if you have Spell Mastery, which this deck pretty easily achieve spell mastery you get three black mana and it's basically language.deck and its win oh. conditions are cryptolith or um hissing quagmire yeah and nissa activating lands and kalidas yeah nissa kalidas and that it is a really sweet deck it it plays deadweight man it, it plays deadweight it plays deadweight as a, it, it plays infinite obliteration as a main deck card what i know else? it's 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 amazing it is pretty sweet um Green Black, Cryptolithrite, as piloted by Team CFB. It's all about trying to play Zulabor Cutthroat, um, Nantuko Husk, a bunch of creatures really quickly, alongside 
uh, Cryptolithrite, which is the two mana green enchantment that makes all your creatures tap for whatever any color of mana. LSV is... LSV got a turn four kill with this deck. Yeah, in standard, in standard. a turn four kill. Sign me up. I think that was the game where he had he cocoed into double Zulaport Cutthroat. Yeah, and then he's able to like you know activate Westville Abbey and all that kind oh, of crazy shenanigans. Yeah, activating Westville Abbey with two Cutthroats in play and just draining for ten just off of the Abbey and just off of the Cutthroats and then swinging with a nine-seven flying haste lifelinker. John, oh. there's John, there's four blister pods in this deck. I know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is amazing. Oh my god. Well, if you think about it, though, blister pod is literally two activations for a drain off a cutthroat. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Um, Esper control, we kind of already kind of detailed it. Uh, it was I mean, the, the dragons one is basically what you would expect from a dragons list. It's They're a little bit really, lighter on the blue cards because blue's not really great in this format in the standard format right now because there's not a lot of good blue card draw. However, I mean, Ojutai still kills people. To be perfectly honest, looking at this list, it's like, all right, I'm just going to jam a Sorn in the sideboard, add some dead weight, and then just grab the lands from Make Shadows. Because there's, besides lands, there's no main deck cards from uh, Shadows. Shadows of Rainerstrad in here. It's yeah. it's basically last year's deck. It's like, yeah, it's, it's good. Just plug three cards and you're good to go. The crazy thing about the Esper Dragons deck is that of all the player, people people to play it at the Pro Tour, I think Shota was the only one to make day two. Yeah. But there are like it's four Shorty, players it's, on it. But it's Shorty Asoka, though. So. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame now. Uh, Seth Manfield's control has main deck Narset, Soren, all the fun stuff. It's a control deck. The yeah. Sphinx of this final word. The Sphinx of the final word is so spicy. It's that seven mana five five. Yeah, for that control mirror. It's, but it's amazing. I love it. It is. It is really sweet. <laughs> the, the first line of it though says "cannot be countered" is basically a non-factor in this format. Yeah, the with, with amount, blue the being of, very the under, of, underrepresented. Well, creature permission in this in this format is basically non-existent anymore. Like the only the only permission counter spells you're looking at are your duress and negate. With dress, a couple not, of, not, not dress. Unless no, you're talking about permission. No, dispel. Dispel. Right, the other D one. Like those are the but, best. Those are the best permission spells in the format because you have dissipate and you have void shatter and you have that five mana. No, well, here's the thing. Seth Manfield was playing main deck spells, uh, spell shrivels. Yeah, I know. It says a lot where counter spells are at this point. Yeah, but. Van Company under Andrew Magucci was playing a lovely little two of invasive surgery, which is a one instant counter target sorcery spell. Trust me, it's an amazing card against your language because it has delirium. If there are four more card types in your graveyard, search the graveyard, hand, and library of that spell's controller for any number of those cards with the same name as that spell. Exile those cards. That player shuffle his or her library. You know what? Oh, hey, season, hey, seasons passed. You know those languages you have in your graveyard and your hand and your library. Bye bye. No, yeah. Uh, invasive surgery literally kills the seasons control deck. Like if they oh, cast, so if, if they cast seasons pass and you go invasive surgery with delirium, they're dead. They they can't win. They're dead. I know, and that's why I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. In, it is in my sideboard of one of my standard decks. We'll get to in a moment. Uh, red white goggles control was trying to use goggles with spells like Fall of the Titans, Tormenting Voice, and, you, and pairing it with white with Nahiri and a bunch of the other really powerful white spells to try and get some advantage there. So Chandra is the big, the big, uh, big, um, what's the word I'm looking beater. for? Big beater. Big beater. And she is the, she's the reason to play red in this format. All right. Well, also, if you look at the creatures, though, tell me if just using Eldrazi Displacer to continuously blink your the Goblin Dark Dwellers for value is a good thing. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> red green rog- red green goggles red green goggles ramp is also really solid at the hands of Brad Nelson. Like we said, it's it's a red green ramp deck. It plays Nessus Pilgrimage to put Forest into play. It plays uh, Pyromancer's Goggles. The entire point of the deck is to copy a Fall of the Titans for a bajillion damage. It's, it's great. The deck. It's it's the evolution of the control style of the blue-red control that we saw Todd Anderson playing in yeah. the SCG events. Everyone's like, oh, this red, red X Goggles seems like fun. Let's see what else we can jam. And you get green-red and white-red and blue-red. I don't think black red is that great for a it goblin. It probably deck. isn't. Um, the only the only spell that I would want to use in that deck instead Under of Fall of the Titans ports. would be Avacyn's Judgment. But, but people are playing Fall of the Titans because Avacyn's Judgment was just so bad. Yeah, it, but you know, I really enjoy this top eight. I mean, we have. Oh, we're talking about Band Company. We're talking about the Green White Tokens, which is you know, Hangerback Walker, Three Bit Inspector as a quick drop, Sylvan Advocate to get some value early and late game. Obviously, the Quad Avacyns. It's going to have your Gideons and your Nisses, your your two uh, Planeswalkers right now in standard that are just token generators. And it has Secure the Waste for just pumping those tokens right out. Yeah. You know what was really surprising that I just now thought of? There were zero wow. copies of Always Watching. Always Watching oh, yeah. did not top eight. Oh, yeah. Because huh. yeah, the Monolite Humans deck did not, did not get there. Well, yeah, the Humans deck usually run it, but it's all right. I mean, it's it's not a bad card. It's not a bad card. It's it's a great card. It it defines the mono white deck. I don't think the mono white deck would exist without it. Yeah, so I'm looking at like cards played amongst the top eight and every deck that had six wins or greater in standard right now. Can you guess the top played card out of the six wins or greater decks in standard right now? That's not a land. It's a it's a creature. It's a creature. Is it Dustwatch Recruiter? No. Is it Avacyn? Actually, wait, Deskrot Recruiter is fifth on the top creatures list. It all doesn't right. even make top ten of all the cards played total. What about Avison? Uh, Avison does not make the top ten total cards. She is sixth on the top creatures list. Uh, it's not going to be Jace. There's no way it's Jace. Jace is tenth in the top cards played, fourth on the creature list. Okay, so Recruiter was five, Jace was, was four? Yes. Nissa? Nissa was Vassal not even Nissa, Nissa Vassal Seer did not even crack either of the top tens. Jeez. Um. Okay. You're All in the right, right. color is it, though. Is it, is you're it, in. You're in the right color. It's green. Oh, is it Sylvan it's, Advocate? Yeah, Sylvan yeah. Advocate with 158 copies played amongst yeah. all six wins or greater decks. Yeah, Sylvan Advocate is really good. It's really great against Languish, and yeah, it's a solid card. Guess what's two and three are? Uh, for is it Town Gossip Monger and Thraven Inspector? Uh, Thraven Inspector is number three. Tireless Tracker is the number two played creature yeah. in standard right now. Okay, amongst okay. Decks. I can buy that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... That scans well. Yep. I mean, it's it's interesting looking at these top cards. Like, the number two card overall played is Declaration Stone. Yeah, as we would expect. Uh, it's spe- Second spell is Transgress the Mind, which is great for getting rid of those big old bombs. Yep. Ultimate Price, Creature Kill. Yeah. Great. Collected Company is number four. Yeah. And Chandra is five, because if you're playing red, you're playing Chandra. Yeah, Chandra's absurd. Or you're playing red because of Chandra. She's a $30 card now, guys. Hell yeah. You, Pick you, them up, you, playset. If you don't have her, you, you missed the boat. Pick down my playset at 10. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Anyways, so we have game day this coming this upcoming weekend. Various local game stores are going to be hosting free standard tournaments. If you show up, you're going to get or, a... It's free to five bucks. I know a couple stores I go pay five bucks, but then you get better prize support on those. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you pay to get in, you're going to get better prizes. Um, but still, it's five bucks for standard, and you get some fine. sick promos. Uh, the participation promo is a full art incorrigible youths, which is okay. Top eight promo is a uh, alt art foil of anguished unmaking. 
Oh, such a good card. The oh. fo- the the art though on the uh, on the promo is so good. Yeah, it is now, really really but, absurd. Now, if you've seen the regular anguish I'm making, the promo is the same scene from a literal different camera angle. Yeah. So anguish I'm making shows Soren literally unmaking Avison because he made Avison. Yeah. And it. But the, the regular the regular one shows it's from looking at Soren. It's like. Up, the front side. You're looking, like, looking at up at Soren, his face, as he's looking away from Avicen and unmaking her. This one, the camera angle is a full 180 and up. So it's looking kind of down at Soren, and you have Avicen kind of in the foreground. It's great. I love it. Yep. And you get a top eight playmat. Uh, no, it's only a champion's playmat. Oh, the champion's playmat, right. Which is anguish unmaking, if I recall correctly. I believe so. Yeah. So, Ian, what are you looking to play for game day? All right. So I know I've said it. Said it last time, said it this time. It's still my number one in the clubhouse right now. I'm looking at fiddling with a couple other decks, but it's Bank Collector Company. It's it's. I, I hate I, I hate the fact that I I'm on the deck because it's going to be the one that's probably most hated out in terms of people know it's a deck. It's going to be gunned for. It doesn't have the surprise factor. I usually like playing powerful like one point tier 1.5 or tier 2 decks usually uh but this is the first time i'm really going full bore at a tier 1 deck and it has me oddly uncomfortable (laughs) just because of that fact but it is a powerful deck and it has a lot of different configurations like i've been looking like i said i was looking at a lot of the bant company decks that placed and that had uh six wins or greater and the thing that i've noticed amongst all of them that there are a couple key components of the deck that are going to be four ofs, and regardless of what deck you're playing, those four ofs are Collected Company, obviously the name side of the deck. You're going to have Duskwatch Recruiter at four, Sylvan Advocate at four, Bounding Crisis at four, Reflector Mage at four, Evolving Wilds at four, and then everything else is a crapshoot. Yeah. Everything else is either twos, threes, or ones of. Um, I'm going with a two or three Jace build. I'm trying to get my hands on a second Nissa for this. I'm probably only going to get one for this. Some decks play one of one of uh, the Vastwood Seer variant. Uh, some play two. I've been looking at playing Void Grafter, which is the one blue and green 2-4 uh, Flash Eldrazi that when it enters the battlefield, target creature you control gains Hexproof. That card is really sweet in the mirror. It's... Cool mirror tech. I might be putting it in my sideboard. I'm not entirely sure about main board on that one. Uh, I mean, it can randomly host something like a ruinous path, or it can host something like a declaration in stone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Avison, I only have one in paper right now, which kind of sucks. But she's dropping in price, which is nice. But what is she at now? Forty. Uh, I saw she was at forty-five on Monday. That's TCG mid, but there were copies that to be to be had for thirty. Okay. With shipping. Okay. But it's I, I'm going to trade into her for that one. Uh, the thing that people can possibly play are Ojitai's Command. It's like a one or two of in the main or sideboard. Um, I am absolutely loving the sideboard tech of Dragonlord Dramoka yep. to break the mirror. Even, because, even there in the Pro Tour. Oh, yeah. It's in Manguchi's deck. Uh, basically, it's Dragonlord Dramoka is the four green, white, five, seven dragon cannot be countered f- with flying lifelink and opponents can't cast spells during your turn. It's amazing in the mirror because it literally shuts off collected company being a relative, uh, a relevant spell. Yeah. Your opponent has to tap out on their turn. They can't use crazy shenanigans with Dromoka's command 
on, you know, before blockers. They can't use collect a company before blockers. It can't be countered, which they're not really that that's like probably the least relevant clause on her as a card right now. Yeah. Because no one's gonna I'm I'm liking the tragic arrogance in the sideboard as well. I'm thinking two of those. Sir Sir the Hunt Caller is hilarious, especially yeah. if you have him down. He's a four drop, so he's not gonna hit on, off a off a collected company. But if you can get him on the battlefield and then collect a company, yeah. you're gonna have eight power because Sirak himself provides five. The only thing you won't get is if you hit Jace for his prodigy and something else. It's a hey, give Jace haste. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, That's not bad though. But yeah, it's I I like Ben Company. That's probably my number one deck. Like just because of all those variants that like it's you have your core cards and then you can actually tweak and tune it to what you feel is right. It's it's funny how it's it's top tier deck, but it's still not 100 percent locked in. Yeah. As far as a deck goes, the metagame is still early. We still have a lot of time where we can um, kind of get some feelers and figure out exactly what's good. Um, oh, you're, you're also going to be playing, obviously, at least two Declaration Stone, the sideboard, two to three Negate, and two yeah. Invasive Surgery. That's basically what I'm rolling right now. Uh, other decks I was looking at are Aristorites. It's the green-black one that we talked about that LSV and Team Channel Fireball played, uh, mainly because sign me up for turn four kills in standard, please. Yeah, that deck so is the, really sweet. Funnily enough, LSV actually tweeted this afternoon because it is a deck you can play if you play online and the cues with the... The Pro Tour Gauntlet. The Pro Tour Gauntlet. He said, here's a tip. Don't sideboard often. There's very <laughs> barely ever... He's like barely ever sideboard against these other decks. Oh, and if you play the White Goggles deck, that's probably the only time you'll ever want to sideboard in Uvenwald Mysteries. Yeah. Which yeah. is probably like a dead card in that sideboard anyway. Um, other than that... White weenies, you know, I might just throw that together to have as, you know, I already have most of the cards for it. I just need to pick up one or two more. But besides that, if I were going to make a brew, I would probably go black, red, X, where that could be Jund or Grixis. So playing pairing green or blue with that. Yeah. Jund, I saw a friend of mine with a spicy Jund build. I was okay on it. I mean, Grixis doesn't really have a lot of card draw or counter spells, so I'd be relatively off Grixis. The only reason I'd probably play it was for Dragonlord, uh, Silmgar. Yeah. And maybe playing some... If I were to do Grixis, I'd probably do some sort of Grixis Dragons with Silmgar and Thunderbreak and, yeah. and uh, Dragonlord or Colagon. Yeah. But other than that, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much on Coco. It's just this. It's the most... I think it's the most powerful deck right now in standard, uh, probably outside of Green White Tokens, because Green White Tokens is a very, 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 very resilient deck, and it goes wide better than Bant Company does. I mean, it's the, it's in the name, right? It's yeah. it's a tokens deck. It's going to go wide. So, it, but it does it better than Collected Company decks do. So, yeah. What, what about you, John? Uh, so I have my Blue Red Tutelage deck basically made. I just need to finish up the sideboard. Uh, sideboard could use some work. Um, figuring well, I mean, out exactly what I need for for my expected metagame, which is going to be really weird at my local game store. Um, but it's a deck that's really sweet. I don't play anything in the ices. I probably could put three in the sideboard in case I need to have that sort of that sort of game plan in in the sideboarded games. But Let me tell you what. it's If you're able to flip it, it's a great oh crap button against the token stacks. Yeah, it is really sweet. It is. Um, I was playing against one of my friends playing the green-black deck, and I managed to mill him out. <laughs> it's really <laughs> sweet. You kind of play into Seasons Past decks' plans, though, with it. A little bit, but I still can just mill, turbo them out. Um, 
Uh, my friend also has a really sweet Naya brew that he put together. That it's like Shand- it's like rampant of Chandra's and world breakers, but playing white for like Declaration and Stone. And it's like okay, that's fine, whatever. Um, and then other tech, like if I if I feel like it, I might try and borrow my friend's uh, uh, Dark Seasons deck because I play tested it against him, and it's re- still a really sweet deck. Um, or play or try to see if I can put together the sacrifice deck, as I like to call it. <laughs> Is that Aristorites? Yes. Um, <laughs> Aristorites or Snackrifice is really good. Snackrifice like is a very underutilized name in in Magic nomenclature. Um, and then I really just have this really soft, this big soft spot for the Gitrog monster. And I think like Gitrog Jund would be a really sweet deck. Or whether it's whether whether it's playing um, molten uh, molten vortex and playing uh, molten frogs, which is an <laughs> nice. actual deck name. It's hilarious. Don't think frogs. it's good, but it's hilarious. Uh, I also keyed in into a, onto a really sweet black red deck that five out a league. Oh yeah. Um, it was um, it's black red control plays four mind rack demons plays four Kalidas plays four Chandras. It is super super spicy. Oh man, that deck is so sweet. I know they did a deck tech with um, oh, oh man, I can't remember his name. Uh, he won GP Vancouver, but he was on this. He's on a he's on a Mardu control deck. The Mardu uh, mid Mardu, Mardu, Mardu removal deck looked also really sweet. It, but it didn't. I don't think it got six wins though. It got to, it got to day two. Yeah, probably not. It, but it's I you know there's a lot of things to do in this format. There's a lot of mono white aggro decks out there. Yeah, mono white is a lot the pace of coke. There's a lot of coke. Like if you're building a deck, so basically if you're building a deck right now for standard, you need to watch out for Bant Company. And humans, whether it's blue white or mono white, white X humans, Bant Company, and these goggle decks, you need to you need you need a gun and have some sort of plan for goggles. Yeah, the big re- the big thing about the humans deck is not that it's necessarily the best deck in the room, but it's the pace setter. Much like mono red tends to be the pace setter of the, of the format that says, "Hey, if you don't interact with me, I kill you on turn four. Mono or, white is mono white like, is the pace setter. Mono white is the hey, listen. I know you want to dirtle around and, and whatnot, but you need to step your game up, friend. You need to make sure that you you can actually finish games. Yeah, and, you can kill, and you can kill me before I kill you. Yeah, it's Craig Wesco's dream, what dream now? Basically, that his his white aggro deck is the pre, premier. I will beat your face in if you don't deal with me deck again. It's, and I'm and it's it's great because what's funny part is is there were really no red aggro or Tarka aggro decks like we had seen when Pat like the past two standard Pro Tours. Yeah. They just were not there because the form like it's just not a deck right now. A lot of the power in red has been shifted away from the low drop creatures and the burn spells. Um, and a lot of the red's power in this format has been put onto uh Chandra. Yes. And you've got your fireball variants as well. Yeah. With uh, Burn from Within and Fall of the Titans. Mm-hmm. So big red, big red is making a comeback. Big red or big red is actually happening for once. Being able to put and a lot of and it's letting you know mid range take a key, you know you got got the black red X mid range decks coming back, which are great. Yeah, it is. Really it's, it's 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 really fun though. Looking at so we had obviously we had the rotation. We talked about that last podcast. We lost the we lost the fetch lands. Which allowed us to have these amazing like wedge based decks. Like you look up and down the list here, aside from a smattering of 
oh, there's an Obzon comp- – like there are actually some Obzon company lists floating around. Yeah. Uh, you'll see like one or two Obzon, one or two Jeskai, one or two Mardu. There's maybe like five or – like maybe six to eight, maybe ten representing the old uh, wedges. But the shards are back. Yeah, the shard mana bases get really, really, really powerful with the Battlelands and the uh, the Shadowlands because their synergies are so, just so great. Like I can have a forebod- I can have a foreboding ruins in hand and reveal to you a sunken hollow and have it interplay untapped. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So we'll see if we'll see how the the standard meta game evolves from so, here. So you're gonna be playing a uh, game day? Uh, I'm gonna try to. Um, I've had I have some work that I need to catch up on. It's the end of the school year. So finals are finals are sneaking up on me and my students. So we're gonna we're gonna be seeing what we can do. Um, but this is this format looks sweet, and the limit limited is just so great. Oh man! Oh yeah, limited is great. I know I'm personally looking forward to game day. I will I can give a brief synopsis of what I encounter and what my thoughts are. Or give a little breakdown next podcast. Uh, Please, because I'm but, sure you're gonna go to more competitive stores than I am. Um, I'm looking to it. I, I, all the, it depends. I'm trying to figure out right now where I'm going to go, uh, for this necessarily. It depends on what pieces I'm able to get. I'm still missing some pieces to the deck. So it depends when I get in. If I'm missing some key pieces, I'll probably try to find a less competitive store. I have a couple options, but what I'm, what I am though looking at is this is the week. This week is what's going to set me on the path of, okay, what decks am I going to start playing hardcore just plugging away at for grand prix minneapolis at the end of may so we're gonna have a nice talk after yes and so it'll be the beginning of june that we're gonna talk i'm gonna be able to give a a nice tournament report on a grand prix minneapolis and here's hoping fingers crossed and i make day two yep that would be otherwise it'll be otherwise it'll be a short one but (laughs) we can we can touch we can touch on these next couple weeks like how i'm going about Exactly. For this. Also, because this is this is like one of the whole points of the podcast. Want to talk about the stuff, you know, prep yeah. and get better. I I did identify. That, unfortunately, I won't be able to go to many other pro tours or not pro tours. Grand Prix. Well, pro tour on the mind. Grand Prix. <laughs> this this particular season. Uh, if I do, it might be one more, and I don't know which one it's going to be. But hopefully, rotation or not rotation when we get Eldritch Moon in is not going to make things too crazy. It might shake the meta game up a little bit, but I'm also going to be going to a Grand Prix two in that one as well. So I'm look, trying to find a deck right now that potentially can only get better with another set coming out that's not going to get a lot worse. And that's why I'm looking at Bancoco because we it looks right now like unless they just print an absolute hoser for the deck in the next set, I think I it mean, won't pick up. Unless, I think gonna, won't unless they reprint uh, Graph Digger's Cage. Um, unless they do Graph Digger's Cage or some some some. <laughs> Been crazy like that. Heck, if we if we get Graph Digger's cage, like Jace is gone. Uh, yeah, Jace is pretty dead too. Yeah, kills Jace, kills Coco, but I don't think they're gonna be that hateful. Well, Coco just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. It um, just says not cast. It. Is it not cast or is it? Uh, it's um, Graph Digger's cage is you can't cast creature. You can't cast spells from your graveyard. Also, creatures can't enter the battlefield from your graveyard or your library. Right. Yeah, it does. And, I, and it does host Coco. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I really hope they don't reprint that. It doesn't need a reprinting. It doesn't Wizard, need one. Wizards, no, Wizards, don't re- Wizards, you better not reprint the Craft Digger's Cage. It, you, you know it's too late if 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 it, if you're saying this now, it's too late. Oh no. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to show up, but we can see. Um, real quick before we go ahead and close it out for this week, we did get a review on iTunes. Uh, this thank you, emo planeswalker. Um, 
I'm sorry that you're so emo, but I think this is also um, someone who follows us on Twitter. I think their handle is inexorable blob. Um, they say this podcast is awesome. I love the casual feel of it. And Ian and John never fail to get a chuckle out of me. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, friend. We're going. I know. To... Yeah, I know who that is. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah we're gonna keep it up. For... We're going to uh, keep doing this. This is a lot of fun for. I know this is a lot of fun for me, and I know it's a lot of fun for Ian as well. So we're gonna keep uh, keep on keeping on. Yeah. So... We'll, we'll be getting music soon. I'm 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 working on it. <laughs> we're, we're working on music. It's. I'd rather make podcasts with without music than wait until we get music. But anyways, Ian, where can people find you? People can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. Also, you can find me on Twitch streaming at twitch.tv slash Dix, D-I-X. Uh, I actually streamed uh, some modern on Monday. I'm actually looking to stream a little more modern. Uh, I had a poll on my Twitter uh, asking people what they if they wanted to see more modern, and a large majority of the respondents said, hell yes. So, uh, How many people wanted something other than Infect? Like twelve percent of the vote, but they didn't actually reply to the fact to what I should play. So you know, I'm gonna disregard that. Yeah. But I might actually play a Delver deck. Okay. At some point. So it, it'll be either Delver, in fact. Um, but yeah, again, follow me on Twitter. You'll see that I will be streaming on some weekends. Uh, this weekend is um, game day, so I'm not entirely sure about Saturday. I might stream Sunday, or it depends. I know Car Kingdom Hazards on Sunday. Uh, also, next week, I won't be streaming, but you might see me on a stream, namely Card Kingdom's stream, because there is a pauper tournament going on. Ooh. A paper pauper tournament, I know. Uh, so I might be streaming some more pauper next week uh, in preparation for that with my Marasatron list. I might tweak it up a little bit before the yeah. event. And other than that, I might have another... Probably the rest of this month is going to be me streaming Constructed, either Modern on Mondays and then Pauper next week and then Standard uh, the weeks after and prep for GP Minneapolis. So where, where can they find you? I know I just rambled on for a little bit there. What about <laughs> you, you can find me on Twitter at, Dick, at not, no, that's your that's Twitter <laughs> handle. You can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. I also have that same handle on Twitch. Uh, also, if you need to contact the podcast, we ha- we're on Twitter at Eyes in the Minds. We still do the Daily Cube packs if that is something that you are interested in. And you can also email us directly over on eyesonthemise at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. This has been. Oh, we're on Google Play Podcast now. Yeah, we're on Google Play. So if you're on iTunes or Google Play or whatever podcast app, you should be able to find us. Uh, if not, whenever we tweet out the links, you can find the RSS feed there and you can put it into whatever your podcast player of choice is. We are non, we don't have an exclusive deal with anyone. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, everybody, and we will talk to you next time.